Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to our guests. Are there any um, re-grads here from the class of 68 and 78? Just show of hands. Okay, Karen, John, a few in the back. All right, well, welcome here. Uh, got a couple announcements. The first announcements, uh, announcement I'm going to make, um, we have a, guest, a couple guests here in our audience that we want to honor, John and Karen Grasmick. If I could get you to stand, please. Karen Grasmick graduated in 1968. She's part of the regrad class, and John, her husband, graduated two years prior in 66. Today is their 50, 50th wedding anniversary, the very day. Thank you for your testimony of faithfulness. Thank you for the way you serve our school. I found out just talking with John earlier that Dr. Howard Brandt was actually their best man, his best man at the wedding. So that's great. Um, I'd like to invite Mark Jonah up. We're just going to sing happy anniversary to you. Okay, there's a minor trick to this because anniversary has way more syllables than birthday does. And we got two names, John and Karen. So dear John and Karen at the right spot. Okay, everybody cool with this? Anniversary, not birthday. Two names, not one. All right, here we go. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, dear John and Karen. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you. I'd also like to take this opportunity to remind uh, everyone here about the regrad event tomorrow evening, 7 to 9 p.m. here in North Odd. This truly is one of my favorite events of the year. We, um, we get to hear from the class of 68, we get to see them walk across the stage and hear the testimonies of God's faithfulness in their lives and their faithfulness in serving God. You know, Hebrew 11 talks about the great cloud of witnesses, those who were ordinary people who did extraordinary uh, things with their faith in God. And as students of Prairie, our regrads, their faithfulness to God is part of our history. It's part of our story. And it would be great for you to come and partake in that. Another part of that event, which is, um, I think, compelling and powerful, is the opportunity for the cla class of, of 68 to gather around those who are going to graduate this year, lay their hands upon them, and pray for them. Dr. Brandt mentioned uh, two people, or two groups of people, who laid hands upon him and prayed that the spirit of those who had gone before and the spirit of his father would walk with him. And in essence, that's what this class will do for you. So make time for it, please. And it will be followed up by a reception, so there's some refreshments later. Um, as the graduates are coming back to campus, I'd like to encourage you to take time to get to know them. Ask them about their stories. Each one of them has wrestled with the same things that you've wrestled with. Each of them has questioned the same questions that you have. But each of them have 50 years of God's faithfulness to them to be able to share with you. So it's an encouraging time and I hope that you engage. 
The last thing is that you probably could hear cool stories about what this place was like 50 years ago. <laughs> so just before Dr. Brandt comes, let me pray. Father, we're grateful for your Holy Spirit who's teaching us and leading us and guiding us through the words of Dr. Brandt. Lord, our desire is to abide with greater intimacy in you. And I pray that your spirit would now move among us with power, that the words that are said would be planted as seeds deep in our heart, that you would cause them to grow, become trees of great faith that would bear abundant fruit to the glory of your name. And as we hear these words, I pray that we'll set aside time this afternoon and the days to come to contemplate these truths and ask ourselves, what are we prepared to do about it? We commit this time to you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much. It's been just a real joy and thrill for my wife and I to be here. And as, uh, as we've already heard this morning, there's so many memories, so many things that come back to us. And our desire, I'm sure every one of us that have passed through these halls, is that you would do greater and more wonderful things than we have ever done that you would really go out for the Lord, that you'd serve him with your lives and hearts. And this, I hope you use this time while you're here to really let God change you, to be transformed by the power of God's word. That's what God does. You know, the butterfly, the metamorphosis that the butterfly goes through as it comes from that pupa and then it goes into the cocoon and it comes the, 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 cat, the chrysalis and, the, and, of course, then the, the worm, you know, the whole bit. And then comes out that beautiful, beautiful butterfly. And that's exactly what we hope God will do in your lives. I'd like to speak to you this morning from, again, about Joshua. Uh, we've been looking at the life of Joshua. And if you have a Bible or mobile device, would you please turn to Joshua chapter 5. And I just want to use a few verses this morning uh, maybe tell the story and then make some principles that come from this. Joshua chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 13. As the children of Israel are passing uh, out of Egypt, they've gone through the desert, they've wandered around 40 years, uh, and now they're going into the land. And so we'll pick the story up at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? He said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Lord, we ask that you would make this holy ground this morning, and that we would stand before you, the Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. A little background on the story, a little bit about, again, about Jericho, maybe, just a few comments about Jericho, one of the oldest cities in the world. Uh, in fact, I think it is, is considered the oldest city in the world. Uh, Sixteen layers of, of city have been built upon uh, on top of one another. And the archaeologists tell us that about this time in history, that this wall that was around Jericho was probably about, uh, they say, about three meters wide and at least six meters high. That's, you know, that's pretty good high, 18, 20 feet high. 
And there was absolutely no way, no way that these children of Israel coming out of uh, Egypt with nothing, no tools, they didn't have any of these, uh, you know, things that throw these great big huge rocks, they didn't have these towers that come up again, they didn't have any of that kind of, they came out with staffs and, and, and maybe a few spears and so on. And how are they ever going to take this city? And this is what it was all about. Now, I told you the first day that we were here, first three, three days ago, I told you that, this, that the land of promise, this land that flows with milk and honey, that it had five barriers, that every pass, every way into the land of blessing, this land that flows with milk and honey, was blocked. Up the seacoast, you had the cities of Gath, and you had the city of Gaza and, and Ashdod. As you came up from the south, there was Hebron. As you came in from the east, there was first of all Jericho, and then Bethshean above, and if you came in from the north, there was a place called Megiddo. And I said to you the first day, if you remember, everything that God wants you to do in your life, there's a blockage there, there's something there to keep you from doing it. And you've got to get in there by faith, you've got to trust God to be able to overcome the giants as we talked about the first day. And these barriers are there. And so this barrier was there. But God had uniquely prepared Joshua, and really, you know, this was a very important time in his life because Moses had been the leader. Everybody knew Moses. Everybody loved Moses. You know, he was the big guy, and all of a sudden, the mantle had been shifted, and, and God took of the spirit that was on Moses and put it upon Joshua. That's a very interesting principle. You know that? Same thing happened in the New Testament, that God's Holy Spirit was upon Jesus. He was the anointed one, Right? That's what it was all about. The whole life of Jesus is about the anointing of God's Spirit upon him. And then at Pentecost, what did God do? God took the Spirit that was upon Jesus and put it upon us. Isn't that interesting? And exactly the same thing happened with Joshua. God took up the Spirit that was on Moses and put it on Joshua. And so here he is, and he's getting ready to take these people into the land of promise. And so the first obstacle that he had to face as he was doing that, taking them across from Transjordan, the first thing was the River Jordan. And you remember this story, I know you do, but just think about it a little bit, that when they came to the Jordan, you know, he didn't stand there with his rod and say, woo, you know, like Moses. I mean, that would have been neat, right? But he didn't say that. Instead, the Lord gave him different instructions, and, you know, just because God led you one way one time doesn't mean he's going to lead you that way the next time. And it's very interesting that the children of Israel didn't have to do very much when they passed through the Red Sea. All they had to do was just go, you know, the land, it was already parted for them. But Joshua talked to the priests and the elders, and he said to them, now look, here's what you do this time. This time you take the Ark of the Covenant, and you priests, you go in front, and you just walk right into the water. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's kind of scary, right? Just go, you know. And the water's still there. And the Bible tells us that as they put their foot in the water, that at that moment, the water's divided. Now, you see, there's different ways God can lead us. Sometimes God will just open the way in front of you. You just walk right through. There's other times when by faith, God tells you what to do. And you just have to go through that. And you have to put your foot in the water. <laughs> and you have to wait and see what God does. Because as they put their foot in the water, it says the water's piled up. <laughs> I'd love to have seen that, would you? Water's just piled up. And then it says, it's very interesting, they went through on dry ground. How did it dry up And you know, between the time it stopped and when they walked through? You know, it was just sort of God's miracle. And then you remember the story of how they took the stones and made that pillar there. 
And they camped at a place called Gilgal. Gilgal is just a, a small place somewhere between the Jordan River and Jericho. Jericho is not far away from the Jordan River. And they camped at this place called Gilgal. And it was there that, that Joshua began to institute the law of God. Remember, God had told him to meditate on the law, to read it, to talk about it, to do it, and, and, and meditate on it. He told me, and he started to do those things. And one of the first things that he did was he instituted against circumcision because these young men who had come through the wilderness, all, all of them under the age of 20, when they failed there, all these men now had not been circumcised. And so he wanted to fulfill the law. It was a cleansing, a picture of God's cleansing them away. And it says that the, 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 the curse of Egypt was wiped away from them, that memory of their slavery, and all that thing was passed. And may I just say that God wipes away our past. He takes that away. And, and that, that was left behind them. The second thing is, is they, they practiced the Passover. They had not done that all that time. The next thing it tells us that the manna stopped. And isn't that interesting? Because God provides for us when we need it. And I'm sure you've seen that in your life. When you really need something, God's there. And he provides for you. When you don't need it more, it stops. It's very interesting. And that's exactly what happened to them. But now they came to this barrier, Jericho. And I told you, and I'll say it again, there will always be barriers. There will always be barriers between you and the land that flows in both milk and honey, and that is God's blessing. Now remember that Joshua was a general. He was a, he was a military man. We didn't talk about the story of when he fought with the Amalekites, but uh, he, was, he was the lead. He was the head man of the army in, 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 in the, in, in among the Israelites. And so as we come to this passage, it says, when Joshua was by Jericho. So imagine now kind of what's happening. Let me fill in the story a little bit here. The, the camp of the Israelites is in Gilgal. And they're not going anywhere. These men have been circumcised. They're not going anywhere today, okay? So they're, they're back there in camp, all right? They're not going anywhere. And Jericho is in terror. Because if you remember the story, they sent some spies out there. And they were with this lady named Rahab. And Rahab told them, the whole land is in terror of you. God's heard what happened. And particularly, they've heard that God opened, they stopped the Jordan River. And everybody's in terror of you. And it said the city was walled up. So there's nobody coming in. There's nobody going out. Everybody, all the Jerichoites, if that's what you call them, they're all in the city. So here comes Joshua now to look at the city. And I'm sure that what he was thinking about as he looked at this city is, how am I going to take it down? How am I going to get past this? I have to get past Jericho. How am I going to do it? Now, because he was a general, I think he was figuring it out. And I don't know what he was thinking. You know, are we going to dig under this wall? Are we going to build ladders and get over the wall? Are we going to shoot arrows over it? Are we going to somehow entice them to come out of the city? You know, what will be my strategy? How will I do this? And I'm sure that his mind was whirling as he stood there that day, and he tried to figure out, how am I going to take down this city, when all of a sudden, he looks out there, and here's a man standing there, shouldn't be there. Israelites are all in camp, Jerichoites are all in the city, but here's a man, and not only that, but he has a sword, <laughs> and not only does he have a sword, but the sword is drawn, you know, if he was just an ordinary soldier, the sword would probably be in a sheath, but this guy has a sword drawn, and this is kind of scary, because if you think about it, you know, um, the people of Jericho were supposed to be terrified, so they're not coming to fight him. 
And the people back home, you know, if it, if it was one of them and they'd seen their captain or their leader, they'd have dropped their sword immediately. So this is kind of a strange guy out here. And who is this man? We don't know who he is. And so we, we read that he goes over to him, kind of brave, actually, if you think about it. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man says, no. <laughs> kind of an interesting answer, isn't it? Which side are you on? No. <laughs> I'm not on your side, and I'm not on their side. He says, I'm actually, I'm the commander, the czar. Actually, the word, the Hebrew word is the czar. I'm the commander. I'm the commander of the Lord. Actually, the words are, I'm commander of the Lord's hosts. I'm, I'm commander of God's army. That's who I am. Now, that could fly either way. That little phrase could go either way. Uh, when you talk about the Lord of hosts, that could mean that he, was the, that he was the head of the Israeli army. That could mean that. Or it could mean he's the head of the armies of heaven, which I kind of suspect it is. And if you go into Revelation, you'll read about the armies of heaven, and you'll read about Christ coming there as the leader, and, and his eyes flaming with fire, and he's the Lord of hosts. And that little phrase, Lord of hosts, is found throughout the whole Bible. And you start to think to yourself now, what 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 has this guy been? Who's he been fighting? You know, what has this Lord of Hosts just been doing? And uh, you know, you don't know the answer for sure. It doesn't tell you. Uh, is could it be that he'd gone in and removed the dark forces that are in the land, and he'd already moved them because he says, "I'm giving you this land," or was he coming there as Lord of the Hosts of the of the of the of the Israelites? Whichever way it was, Joshua got the picture really quickly. Because the next fade we read is, Now I have come, and Joshua fell on his face on the earth and worshipped. He knew exactly who that was. He knew that that one in front of him was not just a human being, but it was the living God. And that that man was really the boss. You got this? It's really important for our lesson this morning. He understood in a moment that he was not the commander of the army. He understood that he was not the one to direct the battle. He understood that the one who was there was the Lord who was going to command the battle. And so what did he do? Look what he did. He fell on his face and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Lord, first of all, I recognize who you are. A little bit like Paul, wasn't he? Remember Paul? Who art thou, Lord? Remember? He says, I am Jesus. What was his next phrase? He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And immediately at this point in his life, Joshua realized that he wasn't in charge. <laughs> he realized that it was the Lord that was in charge. And what he had to do was to obey the commands that the Lord were giving him. And at that moment, as he bowed down and worshipped, the Lord said to him something very strange. He said to them, the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy, and Joshua did so. Now, uh, I saw one guy run around bare feet this morning, but uh, <laughs> most of us wear shoes, right? And particularly soldiers, particularly, because, you know, that's, that's your grounding, that's your footing. Uh, if you read in Ephesians, you know, take the shoes of salvation, you know, and, and for a soldier to take off his shoes, wow, that kind of leaves you naked, and it leaves you susceptible, and it leaves you, you know, vulnerable. 
And here he is, and I, I don't know quite how he did this. I've been imagining this. You know, here he's flat on the ground, right? And he's reaching around back there trying to take his shoes off. I don't know how he did that, but he did it. Because the place on which he was standing was holy ground. Why was it holy? Because God was there. The Lord was standing in front of him. And remember, those were the same words that God had said to Moses in front of him. Take off your shoes. Remember at the burning bush? And Moses did so. And Joshua took off his shoes. And then the Lord began to tell him something that he would never have thought about in his whole life. He said to the Lord, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord gave him a plan how to take down Jericho. He had never thought about this before. In fact, no military general in the whole world would ever think of this idea. This idea was so crazy, you would never find it in a military book. You would never find it written down in a battle plan. God's plan was totally different from his plan. And what was it? Well, you can go on into chapter 6 and you can read it. Now Jericho was shut up and so on. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. You'll do this for six days. Everybody keeps quiet. And on the seventh day, you know, they march around six times and everybody will shout. Now, who would have ever thought of that plan? Nobody would have thought of that plan. That was entirely something outside of his thinking. Nobody in the world would ever have thought about it. And that's kind of what I want to share with you this morning, is that every one of us who are sitting here this morning kind of have our battle plan. <laughs> we, we have our idea. It's been great talking with some of you while we've been here, and I, and I always ask you a couple questions. Where do you come from? And then I ask you, what are you doing here, you know? And then I ask you, what are your plans? And we all have our plans, and we had our plans when we were here, too. I, I had plans here. I was going to be a professor in a seminary someplace, and I had to wind up there. And then even when you start out in life, you have your plans. Uh, my daddy was a great preacher, and I used to love him preaching, and, 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 and he gave an illustration one time, is what he said. He said, we, do go, we, 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 we write down our ideas in life, and we say, here's, here's what I want, okay? So first of all, I'm going to go to this school, right? And then after I do that, then I'm going to marry this gal. Maybe you didn't say that, but that's what he would say. You know, I'm married with this gal, and then I'm going to get this kind of a job, or I'm going to get this kind of position, and I have this many kids, and then I'm going to do this kind of work, and I'm going to live in this kind of a house. Now, Lord, here's the pen. Would you please sign for me right here? <laughs> you know what God says? That's not the way I do business. Uh, by the way, here's a blank sheet of paper. Would you please sign here? And after you sign here, I will fill in what I want you to do. And that's how God works. And let me share something with you is that when we really truly surrender our lives to God, when we really fall down before him and worship him and realize that he's the commander and it's not us, God will reveal to you things that you never in your life ever thought you would ever do. He will show you a plan for your life that you could not possibly imagine. It just would not be written into your script. <laughs> but God shows that to you because that's his plan for your life. And that's so important, I think, in our Christian life, in our Christian warfare. I, I, I encourage you, and I know we all have good plans, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be planners, but I would encourage you to hold your plans very lightly <laughs> and, and keep them open in God's hands. You're not sure. You, you've got it all figured out. But how much better to go before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, really, 
I worship you. You're the commander of my life. And I want you to do what you want me to do today. And Lord, I'm just surrendering my life to you. That's what I'm doing. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God that we might know what the will of God is for our life. And that's just a beautiful principle of life. We do it over and over again. It's not just once. I hope it should be every day of our lives that we just should surrender our lives to God. Now, Joshua did that this time. He actually didn't do it the next time. If you remember his story, remember the story of Ai? You remember what happened? He saw this little town out there, and he figured, oh, I can take that one down. And he didn't ask God. <laughs> and do you remember how badly he was beaten? <laughs> because he didn't consult with the Lord. And so many times as you go through the Old Testament, Joanna and I are reading through the Old Testament right now, there are people that just don't consult with the Lord. They don't say, Lord, what do you want me to do? So friends, I think this is a really, really important principle of life. And I want to leave that with you this morning. I want, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what it means. Now, I really believe that as we come here this morning, that all of you who are here have, have given your life to Christ. I'm sure you have. And there may have even been times in your life when you presented yourself to God and said, Lord, here I am. I want to surrender my life to you. That's a common thing in our Christian life. But I want that to be the habit of our lives. And this morning, I want to take just a little extra time with you, and I want to give us an opportunity to let God work in our hearts, just a few moments this morning, just in quietness and humbleness before God, and just, just imagine ourselves standing before the captain of the Lord's army. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you stand before the Lord and you realize that the Lord is there in front of you? And he's the one that's in charge. And he's the one that's directing your life. I'm going to do something a little different this morning, just because I think this will tie it together. We have our worship team, and I'm going to invite them to come back just now. And I'm going to invite them to sing a song. And as they do, it's a song of dedication. And as they do where we sit, I want us to be in an attitude of prayer and humility this morning. And if you feel so led, and I'm not saying you have to do it, and don't be looking around, but if you feel so led, if you feel that you'd like to show as a sign to God, Lord, I am worshiping you, I'm taking you as the commander of my life, what do you want me to do? I challenge you this morning, take your shoes off. <laughs> How about that? Take them off. Don't look around. It's not anybody else. It's just you. But before God, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. I want to listen to what you want me to do. Please, Lord, speak to me. Show me. My plans, off to the side. The gal I marry, the thing I do, where I go, who I am, all these things, Lord, off. You. I'm looking at you. Would you be in an attitude of prayer as, as our sister just begins to sing to us and just let the Spirit of God minister to our hearts this morning. Please go ahead and sing. Well, I had a song originally chosen to close this service, but as I was listening, um, a better song came to mind. So if you know it, feel free to sing along. The words won't be on the screen, but you can also just take this time to listen in prayer and um, reflect on the words. Jesus. 
Hopes and plans I saw 